Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 25 of my podcast. It's me Jill and today it is a solo episode and it's the second episode in 2020. Today's episode I have called one foot in front of the other but what way should my foot land? And like most of the podcasts that I actually come on and talk about, they're always born out of recent conversations that I've had with athletes that I thought, here, why not talk about it and let everybody else know um, about what's going on or what is the research behind a certain topic? Because when I speak to other athletes about um, specifically this topic, which is foot strike pattern, um, their thought process and people's opinions tend to be that if I land on my heel, it's bad. And a rear foot strike pattern is often sort of um, victimized or demonized as a foot strike pattern that if you use it, you're going to get injured. And I feel like that's saying, well, okay, if you um, eat a chicken, you're going to get salmonella. Um, it's not true. I mean, if you cook the chicken right, you are not going to get salmonella. If it's not infected, you're not going to get it. And just because you run on your heel does not mean that you are going to get injured. You need to look at the whole picture. Um, and hopefully that's what I'm going to explain um, throughout the next how many minutes? I don't know yet because I've just hit uh, record. So I'm going to start off. Um, we know that running is one of the most engaged forms of physical activities. Um, I love running and all of the athletes that I train are runners. For me as a coach, my ultimate goal is to improve their running performance whilst at the same time ensure that we are doing everything that we can based on research that has been carried out that we are minimizing the risk of injury. Um, and like I said, I mean, when we look at running forums or we read a blog or we talk to someone random on the street, um, you know, we hear these words such as foot strike pattern and, and running economy. And a lot of the times they're, they're kind of big words and we might not really know what they mean, but we pick out the bits that we do and we see rear foot strike pattern, injury, lots of forces. And we think, oh my goodness, a rear foot strike pattern is the worst thing in the world that we can be, you know, that we can do. And so let's change our foot strike pattern. Let's run on our forefoot. And, um, you know, is that right? No. Is it wrong? No. What should we be doing? We don't know. Well, we know, but it's not a one glove fits all, much like everything in fitness. So, if we look at specifically running economy, um, running economy is basically how efficient we are at running. Um, and it tends to be broken up into different factors that we can look at, such as biomechanical factors. So how we move, you know, what way does our body um, sort of respond to inputs um, to let us get from A to B? Um, and just by looking at two different people, you can see that different people run in different ways, but they start at the same position and they will end at the same position. Your body moves based on experience and the way that it feels most efficient from getting from A to B. Then we then have metabolic factors, meaning how we create energy. Um, you know, whenever we are more trained and the fitter that we get, you know, the better we get at oxidizing fat whenever we're training. So meaning that we're able to, you know, create more energy to create more power for the muscles to contract for us to run longer and hopefully faster as well. We then have cardiorespiratory factors. So basically how good our heart and lungs are at allowing us 
to performance, things like this. We talk specifically about our VO2 max. So the maximum amount of oxygen that our body uptakes, you know, per minute whenever we're exercising. The higher that is, there is good transfer that, you know, the better we are going to be at, um, at the chosen sport. We then have neural factors. So basically how our brain and, um, you know, how our brain coordinates things to help us move. The more efficient that we get that through, you know, increased synchronization of, um, you know, the motor units, better firing rate, um, you know, all of these things um, are fall under the umbrella that is running economy. And most people don't really understand that. And that's where obviously you employ the likes of a coach. Um, so as a coach, we need to understand each of the above. We also need to know how to manipulate them um, so that um, the training that we do and the training approaches that we apply, they elicit the desired response. So if we're looking to, you know, train the, the biomechanical side of, of our running economy, what should we do? If we're looking to do it more along sort of the cardiorespiratory, even the neural side of things, what should we do? Um, and that is why it is so important for coaches um, to always source credible, reliable, authentic and peer-reviewed research um, and read it. I mean, don't just read the summary, but also look at, you know, the sample sizes that they've applied it to, the genders that they've applied it to, what is the age, what is the training level that they've applied it to. And if that's applicable to you, then you can use parts of that, you can use all of that and use it in your training specifically for your desired client in hope that it is going to improve their training and hopefully also minimize their risk of injury. So again, that's just a little sort of introduction to like what running economy is and I guess a little bit of a tangent that I'd like to go off on. But um, over the course of this next, again, however long, however long I go on for, I particularly want to look at sort of the biomechanical factors that, that can affect our running. And specifically here, I'm talking about foot strike pattern. And does it really cause injury if I opt for, or if I have chosen to be a rear foot striker over a forefoot, over a, um, uh, a midfoot, over a forefoot? And, you know, foot strike is something that has been heavily researched. And in the, in the role of obviously certain running related injuries and also running economy. Um, and when there is a lot of research out there, there is always going to be confliction or like conflicting research that one says one thing, one says the other. And with that, obviously, it's it then turns into quite a controversial topic. It stirs up a lot of debate within sort of the running community or between running coaches. And with this debate, what happens is that athletes or runners that are maybe running recreationally, you know, without a coach, they read these things and there's it's very, very confusing and quite rightly so. Um, I would be confused if I was reading a makeup tutorial um, about different types of brushes. You know, I, I don't have experience in that. I just, you know, yes, I put makeup on, but am I doing it in the most efficient and right way? Maybe not. Short term, does my face look okay? Yeah, but long term, it you know, is it, do, is it going to be as good as it could be another way? Maybe not. So if we were to look specifically at foot strike pattern, um, foot strike patterns can be divided into three different groups. We have our rear foot strike, uh, rear foot strike. And this is where whenever we're looking at running, running gait, 
um, it's broken down into, into two different phases. Um, if we look specifically at initial contact, initial contact is the first time that the foot makes contact with the floor. Um, and that is where we are able to classify how someone is, um, or how someone how someone's foot strike is classified. So if they are a rear foot striker, their initial contact occurs at the heel um, or the posterior part of the foot. And this is the particular foot strike pattern that we can see has been demonized and often tied as a foot strike that incurs the most injury. Um, and a lot of the time, runners with this particular pattern are often encouraged to change it. Um, and which leads me to ask the question, why? Why, why would you want to change this here? If we're going along the topic, which this podcast is about, is this, does it really incur the most injuries in non-injured runners? Is that the only variable that is particularly, quote unquote, wrong with their, with their run? Um, have we looked at other factors that might have been a contributor? Question mark. Think about that. We look at midfoot strikers, and this is where the posterior and the anterior portion of the foot, they simultaneously contact the ground. This is the foot strike pattern that is often encouraged for people to transition to. And I'm going to come on to the reasoning why in a little bit and a little bit um, further on in this podcast. Um, and then we have our forefoot strike. And this is where the anterior region of the foot. So the, the ball of the foot kind of strikes the floor first. And this is we commonly see this in sprinters where basically they're running so fast that their heel doesn't have any time to actually touch the floor. And they are trained to run like that. You know, you probably wouldn't expect someone to run like that over the course of a marathon. Um, but it is something that is trained specifically for sprinters. If we look at the numbers and all of the papers that I'm going to um, reference here, um, I'm going to link them up in my um, in my bio on Instagram where you can look and you can download the paper and you can read it for yourself. But in a study by um, Almeida et al. 2015, they concluded in their research that 89% of the runners were heel foot strikers. And this, um, and this particular research paper was taken um, over um, or throughout a marathon race, I believe. I, I can't quite recall the name of what the marathon was, but there was a, a substantial amount of runners involved in this here. And they concluded that 89% of runners were actually heel foot strikers. Um, for me personally, I am a heel foot striker, depending on what pace I run at. The faster I run, the more I tend to shift towards a forefoot. And that's obviously through video analysis that I've done of myself. When I'm running at a little bit of a, I guess at a slower, a slower pace, I tend to run more healy. Um, so my question would be, if the vast majority of runners out there, and particularly if we're looking at in this particular study, if they're rear foot strikers, are we expecting that all of them are going to experience injury because of this? Um, or is it because out of that number, the majority of runners were rear foot? So totally, if runners were to get injured, that there would be a greater number out of the, out of the total amount of runners there. You know, so that's why we need to really look at, you know, what are the sample sizes? Also take a look at the testing methods that they use, the adherence to the program that they set during the research, and also the criteria. And then make the decision of whether or not it's 100% accurate and whether or not you can use that and apply whatever it is that you want to towards your runner. So that particular article is, is, is a great article and I would encourage a lot of you guys to, you know, to read it if it's something that you're looking to sort of expand upon your knowledge there. 
Um, but what we can see, and if we talk now like a little bit about the loading and the forces that are experienced um, through the body whenever our foot actually makes contact the um, with, with the ground. So a little bit of physics here. We know that obviously there are different forces that go through our body. And specifically when we run, we're going to talk about ground reaction forces. So we have ground reaction force. We have a vertical loading rate. And then we have obviously a horizontal uh, loading rate as well. And what is found, and it is true, that a rear foot runner in particular will experience more vertical loading rate than somebody who is a midfoot striker. Um, there is also a greater braking force and which can in increase the amount of work around the muscles as well as in and around the knee as opposed to a forefoot striker. And if we can make any assumption from that, what we can see is that there is more stress in and around those effective tissues and connective structures. Um, but at the same time, we can actually say that that they that because of this that people will get injured if we look at whenever we train you know the whole objective is whenever we train is to create stress and through the general adaptation syndrome we overcome that stress we repair and we get fitter stronger and faster so our ability to recover is is very very important so you know if i always ran on my heel if i was recovering well from each training session and never getting to the point where the stress i was experiencing was more than what i could handle or i was under recovering then in essence there's no reason why you know an injury really should occur um we can also see um that a rear foot striker there are all their common inefficiencies that we tend to see and that is um seen as overstriding. So if you're a rear foot striker, um, one thing you can look at is, okay, well, you know, what is my cadence? Um, you often find that rear foot strikers, when they overstride, you know, without even looking at a video, you can see that if their stride rate or their, sorry, their, their cadence is sort of, you know, below sort of, you know, 80 steps per minute per leg, we can see that there is a possibility that they are overstriding. And what that means is that when we overstride, um, the, the, the foot actually lands far away from our body's centre of mass, meaning that the foot lands far away from the hip. Um, and that there can create excessive and unnecessary forces around the tissues and it creates an even greater break in force, and as a, and meaning that you'd have to um, you know, create more energy to propel ourselves over and forward. Um, but with overstriding, it's not something that you would then shift somebody to a four foot striker. An inclusion of a simple technique drill where they're landing closer to their center of mass can fix that inefficiency as opposed to retraining the whole new foot strike pattern. Because when we train a brand new pattern, we then experience new stresses in and around new tissues that maybe haven't been loaded before in the same way that you've been used to. So, you know, you might have to pull back. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost um, because it's almost like if, you know, if you've always squatted in a certain way and then you suddenly try and change that squat pattern, expect to load up the same way, it probably isn't going to work. You know, you have to rebuild back up to that again, if that makes sense. So another paper, again, which I'll link up in this uh, show notes, which I've used for the bulk of the information and, and my own learning for this particular podcast is that Anderson et al. 2020. Um, they concluded that where there are biomechanical differences between foot strike patterns, they concluded from the number of papers that they that they collected for this analysis in that changing foot strike patterns cannot be recommended for an uninjured runner. However, it is something that could be considered if there were factors relating to an injured runner. 
And the reason for this is because obviously if there is an injury, we want to move stress away from that affected area. And by changing a foot strike pattern, we are able to do that. And, you know, so, so that can be that can be quite confusing because you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, people do get injured if they have a rear foot strike pattern. So why shouldn't I just change it? Um you know, and that's a very valid reason. But then I would also approach it with another question is that forefoot runners experience injuries as well. Okay, so forefoot runners might experience injuries, but in different structures within the body. So forefoot runners might experience sort of more um, Achilles or calf injuries, as opposed to a rear foot runner who may experience their injuries sort of in and around the knee and the hip area, just basically because the way the forces are loaded. Um, so and like I said, I mean, prior prior to listening to this here, you might have thought, you know, you're going to get injured if you're a rear foot striker. And like I said, it's a, it's pretty valid. Um, but I think that given the amount of conflicting evidence out there and from my own experience, from myself personally, as well as coaching experience and the research, I really think that you need to look at the bigger picture before you start changing anything. So and it always leads me back to sort of understand your reason why you would want to do this here so you know will changing a foot strike pattern make you run faster so like I was saying at the beginning um when I run at, at a certain pace I can see that I run more with, with a heel strike pattern but when I increase my pace I naturally move towards more of a forfeit and there is some research that points to that natural shift and there was a, a um um a research paper conducted in 2014 by Brian et al. Um, and again, that kind of highlighted that that can be the case where there's a natural shift, a change in foot strike pattern to cope with the different paces that we're running at. You know, is changing a foot strike pattern going to stop the injury? And like I said, you know, there's every shade of grey here. We've got a yes, we've got a no, we've got a maybe, we've got a don't know. We've got, oh, you know, let's just change it anyway because that's what everybody's doing. But like, you know, don't be sheeple. <laughs> don't be a sheep and always pull back and look at your own area. So where we understand that rear foot strikers may develop similar areas of injury. OK, bear in mind that mid and forefoot strikers will also experience injury, but in different areas. So what it really is a catch 22. There are equal risks in running on your heel as well as running on your forefoot and developing an injury. So we, as coaches, and for the vast majority of people out there, thankfully, touch wood, we are uninjured and we want to keep it that way. When we run, we are more likely to be injured than somebody who is not running. OK, you have exposed yourself to risk. It's going to happen. OK, everybody has individual tolerances. People's training ages are different. The way that we handle stress is different. That there is based on our lifestyle how we sleep, what we do for a job, what else are we doing in our daily life? You know, we all have different starting points. Like I said, our technique is different. And hey, we have previous injuries, maybe from before. We are maybe uninjured now, but maybe 10 years ago, you had an ankle injury, you rolled your ankle. The likelihood of you getting injured again in and around your ankle is more than somebody who hasn't before. So this is all really important information that like as a coach, you want to do obviously when you're screening your athlete as well. And then in the actual training plan, you know, when you're putting it together, the overall objective is obviously to develop the runner. 
And at the same time, this is where we rely on science and we rely on things that have been trialed and tested. And we understand that when a training plan is periodized, meaning that there is balance, it is progressive, it is linear in terms of we are not excessively loading our athletes sort of week on week. We understand that it has to be based on what their current abilities are, what their fitness levels are. If they've, you know, dropped off the bandwagon for a little while, we don't expect them to go in at the same at the same at the same level. You know, we have to see that their technique is staying constant. Um, meaning that if we can, if you have the luxury of, of you know, physically training one to one with your client, if you start to see that things are starting to change in their technique where it wasn't before, that might be an indication or a red flag to say, okay, well, something is happening here. Maybe they're holding fatigue. You know, can I conduct certain tests to see, you know, what they, um, you know, what they could do at the beginning to what they can do now. Um, so, you know, always go back to seeing our people's movement patterns staying constant or are they having to move differently because they're starting to experience some niggles as well you want to make sure that you always allow rest and recovery i mean as simple as that sounds people just don't take it you know this here i think if anything if you can take away if you rest and you recover and your your training plan is balanced and linear and it's not excessive based on where you currently are whether you rear fit or you forefoot strike it doesn't matter Okay, you can't just blame a foot strike pattern if there is a bucket load of training error, you know, um, and you're under recovering. All of these elements play a massive part in reducing and minimizing your risk of injury. And as I said, just simply by, you know, throwing a, um, you know, a thought out there, you know, oh, let's change your foot strike pattern without looking at anything else. That's, it's wrong. And changing, changing patterns and changing technique, unless there's injury, is probably something that I'm going to look at last, you know. Um, so like I said, guys, I mean, I hope that you find this, this somewhat interesting. That you've taken something away from it. Um, I will link up these particular papers in the, um, in the bio in my Instagram account and you can download them. And, and as always, if you've got any specific questions about what I've talked about, um, you know, please, please do ask. Um, and also, if you feel that anybody else would benefit from listening to this here, I mean, please share it on as well. And until next time, guys, stay healthy.